Hello, Robbie. Hey, Ernie. How you doing? Good. Uh, by the way, these are part of our podcast series, so by default they are recorded, but if any time you feel uncomfortable, just let me know and we will scrap the recording. I'm a high security guy. I'm worried about uh, somebody coming in. You and me. Uh, no, I'm, coming I'm in what? Pre- I'm being facetious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if I explained. You've, you've been on the Great Reset once before, right? This whole idea of a public discipleship. Yeah, I sat in on one where you were talking about uh, developing an app to facilitate the interaction. And, uh, yeah. I sent you $20 and my going to get my money's worth? Is that, uh, is that moving ahead? It is moving ahead. I have one actual client, which is our church, where I'm building out a reservation system uh, somewhat slowly. Uh-huh. Uh, I have been using it to archive our group chat threads, uh, though I haven't actually made it into a usable format yet, so it's still a uh, uh, work in progress. But uh-huh. actually, it's interesting. Um, um, that was the... Uh, very amusing backstory. I don't think you saw the uh, the YouTube video link I sent yet, uh, but we oh, were I having did. some. Well, you did actually. I, okay. Yeah, I watched half the last half hour of it. Where okay, uh, good. Steve so got, yeah, you got the. Uh, Steve, Steve got very passionate, and uh, yeah, that, it, it, yeah. It, I, got, I got to that part very quickly, and thought I, I need to go back a little further, see what led up to this. So yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so it's interesting. I think there's um, a a number of different themes going on, and I've had a few other conversations trying to figure out exactly where um, this uh, there's a um, there's a point I'm trying to make, which I may be making badly, and I'm not even sure I'm clearing it myself. I'm still trying to work it out. Yeah. But but part of it is is that I am reacting against um, what I would call the oh hey Eric here too. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Hello, Eric. So are you in the states? Are you in the states for a while, Eric? I had I had imagined you were in Thailand. Um, we Eric normally can imagine that too. <laughs> we normally live in Thailand, but we got caught outside by the COVID shutdowns. Okay, got it. So it definitely we went to Michigan back in March um, for what was supposed to be just a short, uh, like a marriage workshop. Yeah. And yeah. while we we're there, Thailand shut the border. You're having an extended workshop. Yes, exactly. You know what's funny? We needed a lot of uh, extra remedial time. You know what's funny? That reminds me of how you and I actually got to know each other, Eric. Remember? That I was supposed to be driving through Denver uh, just overnight, and then my transmission went out. And so I stayed there like four or five days and got involved in all your marriage counseling and everything. Yeah, I remember. You know, this like... Twilight Zone, Colorado thing that happens. So anyway, uh, Robbie was kind enough to go and rewatch a good chunk of the episode, so he knows some of the backstory. And okay. um, I was telling him that there's, there's, there's been some tension between Steve and I uh, on the chat thread 
and we hadn't been able to uh, find time to resolve it, so it kind of triggered that. But the the I think the positive way of framing the question is, I am trying to renegotiate my relationship with how I study the Bible, because I spent a lot of time, especially at you know college, of uh, having a very intellectual relationship to Bible study, uh-huh. and. I want, uh, Eric used a wonderful phrase, a mindset of obedience. I want to be studying the Bible uh, in order to connect with Jesus and obey him and try to break my unhealthy habits of just analyzing it. And so that sounded similar to the sort of Bible storying, uh, discovery Bible study things that we had just talked about in the past. And so uh, you had offered to do that. And I'm not sure if this, I feel like you, Eric has talked about something similar. I'm not sure if, uh, I guess village circles is the term you've used, Eric? No, mine was um, discovery Bible study. Okay, you were using the term discovery Bible study. Okay. But then we talked about another thing, Ernie, which was coaching circles. And those are a different thing um, that are, uh, they don't have a hierarchy but they provide a source of accountability and fellowship um, in movements that grow. It's very scalable. Right, these scalable circles. But they don't really have a formal Bible study portion of that? Our coaching circles, no. That's a separate thing. That's an It can include Bible study, but Discovery Bible Study is a simple... Uh, method of Bible study, which does always include um, a big obedience question, which each member answers uh, with a specific plan for how they're going to implement or obey this in that week. And then it's part of the function of that group to always ask at the beginning of a meeting how it went for each member on their individual obedience plans. So this is what leads to spiritual growth in the members. Okay. So is this at all similar to the sort of Bible storying stuff that you're doing uh, that you were talking about, Robbie? Am I getting my wires Uh, crossed? Well, it's been a while since I think I've really talked about uh, Bible storying um, separate from discovery Bible study. I think, last few years uh, within discovery bible story study one common element not universal is uh somebody telling the story in their own words at some point um the first form of this that i came across a person prepares and learns the story all the details by heart without memorizing and uh tells the story and leads in an interactive time that can be completely oral. And that's a very effective model in many contexts where there aren't a lot of people that read. Um, Other contexts where somebody in the group reads will often read through the story once or twice and then have somebody tell it in their own words. But in light of what Eric shared in the meeting about the obedience orientation, I think the discovery by, I mean, the, uh, it's only fruitful when it leads to obedience instead of head knowledge in terms of what I think is fruitful. 
but um, Stephen is on a, a probably part of a different paradigm and model, which he described discipleship as one person who I think he would say has mastered some area or learned some area, then transferring that to somebody who's the learner. Um, and Discovery Bible Study is a very different emphasis. It's not transfer of intellectual content. It's a focus on obedience to what, in effect, if you can use more uh, charismatic terminology, to what God is saying to you specifically out of the passage, rather than what somebody else thinks it means for you. Right. So the word discovery um, indicates that each individual is discovering a message from God each time they meet. And so the group, the function of the group is not, well, the function of the group is to help each individual discover God's message each time. It's creating an environment for people to hear from God, whether or not that's what they're expecting. Um, but the process of yourself articulating so asking what does this passage mean is a common question there's there's various formulations but there's typically a set of seven or eight questions and the one we commonly use includes the question what does this mean when you say what it means in effect you're telling the saying the passage in your own words and whenever you put something in your own words it sparks creativity and a kind of um uh, it's, uh, there's a different way that the brain processes things when you put them in words than when you just hear them. Right. And another thing that happens is that when you articulate it in your own words, you now own that message in a way that doesn't necessarily happen unless you have to articulate a message in your own words. If you tell me something, I have to argue against it. If I tell you something, I have to believe it. If I'm, yeah, you know, to own it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just so curious because uh, I, I could think of two different phrases there to help me clarify. Are you supposed to say this is what the passage means, or this is what I think it means? And is the goal of the group to try to reach a consensus about what it means, or to just hear each person's perspective? Yeah. Well, no, you can say it. This is what it means to me. Today, I have to do this this week, or I'm going to be disobedient. So, hmm. um, this is what it means for me, in a sense. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind and of a later it question. Different things to different people in the group because the Holy Spirit uses, um, you know, the Bible, which is living in an active and as sharp as a double-edged sword. Um, it speaks differently to different people. Yep. So okay, I, so the good I, news is you two are talking about the same thing. I just wasn't quite sure yep. uh, but, you the know, terminology was wrong. So that's, that's, but, that's helpful. But having your head screwed on straight and using good analysis is actually a part of this too. If someone says something really wacky that's right. just plain heresy and it's not saying that, then um, I think then there's a gentle way of aiming people back into the passage and saying, well, where does it say that? Or if their paraphrase 
include something that wasn't really in the passage, you say, hmm, I'm not, I didn't pick that up. Where do you see that in there? And um, you, you do always aim people back towards the actual text, but the actual text can say different things to different people. Yeah, so there's the yeah. correction, the group correction. And uh, the observation is that heresies develop when strong individuals lead groups astray, not when groups on a level playing field are interacting faithfully with scripture. Right, the goal is, I guess, random error is fine, systematic error is dangerous. Yeah, and, and group correction is helpful. Groups learn yeah. faster, they remember more, and they support each other. In Lose them with a crowd, yeah. Another way of saying okay. that is heresy is theology that's not rooted on Scripture. But mm -hmm. because we have a circle of theological amateurs that are depending on Scripture to keep them oriented properly, that it never gets that far from Scripture that it becomes heresy. Unless I disagree with you. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, but we both yeah. acknowledge that we are amateurs, and yeah, so, <laughs> mm, uh, there is a shared humility, right? There is no, there's no pressure, or, or and this is a big one, no status accrues to being particularly wise or expert. Yeah, right. So it's not a triangle; it's a circle. Everyone's on the same level. I'm, I'm a little resident, hesitant to about. Uh, objecting to Stephen in his absence when I don't have all the background, but it seems to me that uh, the the general church that he rep reflects, I imagine, a general church model where people who have studied into scripture are telling the rest of us what uh, we should, what a, what the passages mean and what we should do and how we should live. And uh, that there are parenting styles, and it seemed like Stephen was pushing you toward a parenting style of just delivering the truth to your kids and saying live up to it. And having done that and having suffered some from the results, we have one 22-year-old daughter who's not spoken to us for several months and won't respond to texts. And um, mm. I, I, I look back and I think, since since I've since I've learned about and began practicing discovery study, I felt like we would have done so much better if we had taught much more in the style that Jesus did of telling stories and asking questions and not dictating, you know, this is this is true and mocking anything else. And uh, but um, so I, I, I don't. I, I don't support what I thought I heard Stephen saying, but I don't want to assume that I really yeah, understood. Yeah, and, and that's one reason why I wanted to go this direction is like I'm not sure what Stephen meant or if he was just reacting to something else I had done. But I thought let's focus on the positive, constructive thing. It's like okay, let's see, let's try this thing and see if this is actually what we both meant, even if that's not what we said. Yeah. Because okay, I think he yep. is concerned that I, I suspect he may be concerned, as other people have expressed similar concerns, that I'm not taking scripture seriously enough. Uh -huh. And uh, I worry about that, too, uh, because I'm trying to take Scripture seriously differently than the way I was brought up. Yeah. And I like to think it's taking Scripture more seriously, but it's certainly different. And yeah. 
so I guess one question is, have you guys, I guess you guys, so you've practiced it yourself. Uh, when, yeah. when I heard the word discovery Bible study, I tend to hear it in the U.S. in the context of evangelism and church growth in the sense of, um, I mean, in the RC, we've used the term for, well, we have the real Bible study with the insiders and then we have discovery Bible study with non-Christians. And okay, I but think see, that's a different term. It's the same term being used for something different, but I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around that. No, I think, Ernie, the, it's, the, it's being used consistently to describe Bible study in a group where the emphasis is on individuals discovering what it's saying to each of them. And so they aren't orienting themselves towards a leader who's going to interpret it for them, but the, the whole group is orienting themselves individually to Scripture with the help of the group. And you can invite a non-Christian into that circle quite seamlessly because it's wonderful for evangelism. The reason it works in a place like Thailand is that Thai people need to see a corporate witness. They need to see relationships that are actually based on love and trust when prevailing Thai society uh, is bound together by relationships based on obligation and fear. Mm. So it's, it's challenging their worldview at a very fundamental level, but it's crucial to the witness because part of the gospel is that Jesus is so loving and we can trust him so much that he would actually, at great sacrifice to himself, deliver us out of our own sealed condemnation. Um, and they, they have to believe that in order to be saved, but they can't believe that because their whole world doesn't contain a, a single relationship that's based like that. And their formal doctrine doesn't say that there's anything like love or trust. Instead, formal Buddhist doctrine says the whole world is full of suffering, and the only way you can get away from it is to dissociate yourself from everything, including all your closest relationships. Um, so the... Uh, inviting a non-Christian into a small circle of believers who actually have agape love going back and forth between them will not only put them in touch with Scripture, and the Holy Spirit can speak to them through that, but it will put them in the middle in an experiential way of a group of people living the They've been born from above, um, as in John 3 context, born again, born from above. You now have a life that is an agape-based life that's energized by the Holy Spirit. And they can actually feel it when they see it functioning in a group. So it's it's great. It, it's that community witness, but it's also um, being oriented to scripture and learning how to gain truth from scripture. So I, I want to ask so many questions. Let me start with this one. Have any of you practiced this with, you know, college educated, weird, uh, you know, wealthy, educated, industrial, rich, democratic Christians? And has that been, how has that experience gone? 
Well, I think um, I thought from the very first time I started joining the year TGR discussions that it would be perfect for this group and that it's actually what they're searching for. So, but like, have you done it with Western, you know, college-educated Christians? And was it, did it, was it, was there anything different about it or harder or easier? No, I haven't done it with people like that. Okay, we, good. I, so, yeah. I, uh, there was a, a new a church that actually melted down and in the course of recasting itself, um, the pastor of the network uh, introduced me to the pastor that was trying to take the the group that was left and carry it forward. Uh, so just in that transition, we tried twice, I think, Discovery Bible Study. We, sh we did it with Jackie and I went and did it with him and he loved it. Then we tried it with the people that were still um, broken and whatever from the disruption. Um, the, and it, it, it didn't really take. I've also tried it with a men's group at another church that were interested in learning discipleship and making disciples. And again, it didn't take. The, uh, the difficulty you have is that um, uh, people want to draw in uh, references if they know scripture they want to draw in references from other passages because we make that connection we think oh that's an interesting and you get off on lots of interesting tangents but you're getting away from the passage and american christians are trained to be increasing their library of insights not to be drilling down to obedience and we're heavily conditioned in that way um, so it's, it's, it is quite difficult to get this going with people that are accustomed to Christianity as we practiced it in the West. Uh, yeah, it's much so easier to get so, this going. Yeah. So that's actually, I actually find that exciting, right? Because if we could pull this off, then this yep. would be a role model for others. Says, uh, yes. You, know, you were saying, fact, with your programming chops, I think you could actually create some tools that would enable this to happen online. I haven't seen an effective online discovery Bible study because uh, it's very relational. And because, you know, generally people are looking at the same passage of Scripture together and interacting on that passage of Scripture um, it forms the core of their conversation, um, and it's hard for everyone to be looking at. But well, so anyway, I think an online group could do this if they knew each other and had some special means of interacting with each other, where you could like take a finger and point to a section of the passage, and you knew whose finger it was, and you know you could yeah, maybe put the, your finger up. The trivial, the simplest way to do that is is a Google Doc where uh, I think it naturally highlights people's uh, uh, editing in different colors. Right, so, so we think about I people use that for Discovery Bible Study, but I think it would work for Discovery Bible Study. This last week, I just sent you both a text with the uh, website for uh, a man I just talked with last week, I've known for some years, we don't talk often, but 
he's mentoring the two guys you would see on the screen here as they have uh, they're now up to 17 groups around the country um, using zoom for discovery study and uh, it's I think there's a fa fairly recent and they've been growing quickly mm. do you know if they record or post any of their sessions live uh, I don't I looked at the website a little bit and didn't see I don't remember seeing anything like that um, there is a how groups work tab but mm. uh, can you send me that so link they, they do have in-person online and group chat that's just the uh, how groups work under the link that I can send you. so you can look okay. around their site cool thank you so I have to ask you Eric you said you haven't done it with uh, rich educated Westerners have you been part of discovery Bible studies in Thailand? Yeah, lots. So I have to ask you this question. I know you love pulling out the Greek and diving deep into the biblical history. Uh, do you need to suppress that urge in those groups? And are you able to? Yeah, I suppress it. I don't uh, pull it out explicitly. I might be particularly interested in something that they can access because it's the Greek or the Hebrew that's making me interested in that. But um, I don't need to state that. I don't need to tell them why I'm really interested in that thing. And I don't think that um, if you know something about the language um, and therefore you're getting truth in that means that it's different from you know, the Holy Spirit kind of helping you to have an insight or even an, in, an experience that happened to you this week that is making you realize something about or in relation to this passage. But um, I just try to put myself on the level of these other guys. And I want to talk more than I talk because it's all about them growing as disciples. Mm. Yeah, so what I take away from that, this is really interesting, is that you bring your whole context to the passage uh, because that helps you get more insights, but you share in a way that's A, focused on the passage, B, you know, prioritizing your own obedience, and then including others as full partners in helping you live that out. Is that a fair statement? And even helping me figure out what it's saying. So, like, I learn from these Thai uh, farmers who n didn't even finish third grade because they see a different aspect of a passage than I do. They have a whole different worldview and life experience. They're reading it in a different translation, a different language, or maybe they're just listening to it if they aren't readers. But they see things, they hear things from the Spirit that I need to hear. And I learn mm. something every I've never gone away from a discovery Bible study, even with the simplest illiterate farmers, that I didn't learn something that I needed mm. to obey. I love that. I mean, that's the other thing that one of the other things I tend to react to is, um, uh, you know, uh, there's a strain of Christianity I grew up with, which is you can't really understand the passage until you've learned the original Greek and Hebrew and been to seminary and spent all this time studying. And I keep wondering, like, where do we, 
or you know understand all the cultural context and the archaeology and it's like I thought that the key to being the kingdom of God was being like a little child. And I want to make sure that we're, whatever model we're promoting uh, honors childlikeness above depths of, depth of scholarship. So one, one way people talk about the maturity in the Western church, we think of it in terms of how much of the Bible you've read and know and understand. Uh, but another way of looking at maturity is how much are you applying of what you know? of what you've received. And uh, in the West, we have a lot, much larger gap. How big is the gap between what, what God has revealed to you and what you're obeying? Uh, and we tend to operate with a very large gap in the West where we uh, live in many unconscious ways justifying disobedience rather than embracing obedience. Yeah, one of the fascinating uh, trends in business accounting, I know it's a random tangent, but that uh, usually in traditional accounting, you count all the inventory you have as an asset, meaning right. it's a great thing to have all this inventory stockpiled. But yeah. in you know the modern agile world, it's like, no, that is a liability. That is dead weight stuff uh -huh. that makes it really hard for you to change your mind or learn new things. Right. And I think that's also a part of the mindset that um, I am trying to articulate. So this is exciting. This feels like this is hitting all the right chords for me of points I want to experience myself and points I want yeah. to introduce to the group. And you know, my big thing is that I, I'm, I'm crappy at explaining things, especially things uh -huh. I don't fully understand myself to people who don't have the common reference. But I'm really big on trying to create experiences. And I think an experience of this would be amazing. I think the interesting, the thing that I often try, end up trying to do is try to work the meta level. Like you yeah. mentioned that there's certain uh, hangups that Christians tend to, that you know, weird Christians tend to uh, bring into Bible study. So it seems like it would be most uh, impactful if we could wrestle with a passage of scripture that spoke to that in some fashion. Is that making sense? Yeah. Well, yeah, my, my gut feeling is that this group uh, will not be pushed into discovery study. They'll, they'll resist and they'll be frustrated because they can't, you know, operate the way they're used to operating um, of sharing all their expertise and, uh, so I, 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 you know, I'm I'm willing to support you if you want to try, but just to, to think through the alternatives. If you were to come up with something else to do next Tuesday, but say, uh, you know, Robbie wasn't available at this time, we can blame it on me. I could make myself unavailable or whatever. But uh, we, there is an optional other time. You could you could talk enough about it to see if you could intrigue people and see if people would come at another time on a voluntary basis to, in effect, humble themselves and try it out um, without it being imposed on the group that has a different, is used to a different dynamic. So that's just a thought. Um, well, you know, I'll, actually, I'll... we have a protocol for that, surprisingly enough. Okay. Uh, which is this idea, we call it the critical community protocol. And the yeah. idea is that, and we did this last season, with uh, apples of gold, which is a relational practice thing, uh -huh. where 
The first session is the pitch, where you explain what the thing is, and there's regular time to explain, like, what is the problem you're solving? What is the uh, reason you are doing this? And then people get to have the meta discussion first. Why are we doing this? What is the purpose okay. of it? Um, and, and, and sort of thrash that all out ahead of time. And that way, the following week, and then the, then the group votes. And they say, okay, yep. you know, the pitch is, let's try this next week. And, okay. you know, and, and that way the group has buy-in. Yeah. So um, what, if I'm hearing you right, what, uh, or at least what I'm imagining is that if if I came and Eric and I were available as resource for a group discussion of this discovery Bible study model that's working um, significantly around the world for obedience-oriented discipleship, where we're looking at the scripture for what God is saying to us individually that we can obey with group support. And we talk all that through, but don't try to experience it until we at least people have decided whether or not they even want to try. Is that kind of what? And so then we could do the actual practice of it the next week. Is that a one Yeah, that's the idea is that you basically, that this is a pitch explicitly. Yep. Like, you know, investors pitch startups. Yep. Uh, we're okay. pitching the group on uh, trying this as a, as another experiment. Yeah, I would guess that up to half a percent of the world population are now practicing this on uh, yeah. at least a weekly basis. Wow. So it's a significant phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. and it's, um, you know, like I say, Ernie, I study uh, Bible more than most people, but I sit down with Thai farmers who've only read you know, they they haven't even read a full book out of the New Testament ever in their life. But they, I will learn something from them as they read a passage and we discuss it together. So, yeah, um, that's uh, yeah. it's very valuable because, and this might be intriguing to the guys in the group. People from different cultures form a hermeneutical community that can view the text from different angles and they can help each other get richness that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. Yeah. No, it, 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 the thing is it's beautiful in itself. Uh, but the challenge is that, um, for lack of a word, deprogramming our uh, habits of how to talk about the Bible is yeah. harder than teaching people to read it who've never been inoculated against it. Right. So the uh, one interesting thing is that, uh, so our sessions are about an hour, as you know. So, yeah, the pitch would actually be very similar to what I did for Igwet. Uh, instead of asking for money, we're asking them to uh, give us an hour of their time the following week. Um, would it be possible or desirable to try to squeeze in like a five-minute demo where like you and Eric just kind of show... So I don't try to pitch this to Thai people um, before I actually do it. I don't think they'll – it's hard for people to sense the value of it until they actually experience it. Um, so, you know, and that's uh, 
the approach that I take is to just say, oh, let's just uh, begin. Um, could somebody read these verses? And it's always short. It's four to eight verses, usually not more than eight verses. And then I ask another person to read it, and we meditate on it until we actually can paraphrase it. Each person in the group could state it, like Robbie said, in their own words. And then we ask a couple simple questions. And then the main question is, well, how is each of us, how do we need to obey this? And um, you share that with each other. And then you pray for each other to have the strength to obey it. Um, and then you come back again next week. I then later will diagram it and say, here's what we just did. And, you know, put the parts of the meeting up there and, um, you know, a couple bullet points of tasks that we did. But um, I usually don't do that until after we've actually just done one together. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the, sorry, Robbie, you had something to say? Well, I was just going to say, Eric, I think that does work much better with people that don't have uh, pre-existing experience. Um, if you, you can, uh, you know, I've been in various groups where people were sold on uh, multiplication and had heard about Discovery Bible Study and maybe we're doing it for the first time, uh, kind of like you described, we just sat down and did it. Um, if, if somebody's leading a group, uh, you know, you can, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm ambivalent about whether with this group, uh, are, Eric, are you suggesting that we just go ahead with the group that way? That would be my approach. I would say, uh, Steve, could you read these several verses? Yeah. And everyone yeah. listen yeah. carefully, you know, and yep. then give them a minute to meditate on it. Actually, a silent full minute. It, it seems very long while you're doing it. But each person's kind of reviewing back over it and then ask another person to read it out loud. Um, and uh, then later discuss it. Uh, I think it's interesting how attractive it is when you participate in that. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. If, I think I'm gonna. If you I'm gonna... only thrive on analyzing things and picking apart the process. If you're a professional analyzer of stuff, yeah. then. You know, you might not like that, but I think most people would like that. I think the um, I think I'm going to vote with Robbie on this one, given that he's had practical experience trying to do this. And I agree, this is easy to learn, but I suspect it is actually hard to unlearn. And I think, especially in this group, if we can highlight some of those distinctives, so we're aware of them, then it's easy for easier for us to hold each other accountable to not falling back into bad patterns. Plus, I actually think that actually would be a really interesting thing for me is to actually, um, I mean, you can do it either way, um, but I think that, um, you know, what would be cool actually is to ask, do you, the, the link you sent me, Robbie, do you know any of those people or you just heard of them? I'm sorry, which people? The people in your group? Those guys doing the Zoom Discovery Bible Studies in the US? Um, well, I know the guy that's mentoring the two people, younger guys that are on the website. 
Um, he's been working mostly okay. in Israel, but yeah. Can we just set up a phone call with him and ask? Like, you know, uh, ask him like, hey, if I have a bunch of random overeducated uh, white guys, uh, do you think it'd be better to just do it cold or should we deprogram them first? He would probably yeah. have a more informed opinion than either of us. Well, yeah, he probably would. Uh, I'll need to send him a quick message now and see if... Uh, Yeah, and there's another group um, called No Places No Place Left, um, mm. which have, are getting some traction in the states using this model. Um, and I'm sure there are some intellectuals in some of the groups. They've got out to seven or eight generations and many streams. Are you familiar with those terms, Ernie? Yeah. Um, okay. Robbie's been so, trying his best to indoctrinate me over the last several years. Thanks, Robbie. I, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But I was just on yeah, the phone call phone today with some, some uh, No Place Left guys that uh, had written up some in Mission Frontiers a while ago. Um, yeah, well, yeah, we've, we've got... they're functioning in the States predominantly, and that's um, certainly going to be including a lot of uh, educated people. So could I can I uh, invite Sean onto the uh, call? Just send him the phone number if he uh... like right now. Sure, if he's free. <laughs> yeah, well, I just texted him and he's typing me back. I haven't seen what he's doing. Oh yeah. Say he'll either say yes or no. Wow, real time. This is awesome. <laughs> Why not? Well, I, I have to say I'm not uh, you know totally opposed to what Eric is suggesting. When we Jackie and I went and talked with this pastor, that's the first thing we did was to actually demonstrate it with him and uh he fell in love with it but then when we did it with the group as uh, the the dynamic somehow at the table you know i i led one table my wife led another table my two daughters led a third table and uh oh he said love to but he's on a date with his wife so uh oh, okay yeah, you should ignore us but we can ask him if there is a time yeah, uh, yeah. Tomorrow or Friday, that he'd be available to chat, and we can uh, we can at least set up a chat thread with the four of us. Um, um, yeah, well, yeah, it, yeah. Hey, I wonder if also the challenge. Uh, so, in terms of like what went wrong with the the second generation, I wonder if you have people who are coming in cold, and you lack a critical mass. Uh, it can put a, it can be a lot of drag on the leader to try to reset cultural norms. Yeah. And so if the three of us are on board with the norms, that's, you know, a half to a third of the group, maybe right. that will overcome that. And, um, you know, we can also just ask on the group, on the, cha the chat thread, um, you know, we can share some things and get some, maybe we can do the pre-buy-in. I mean, yeah, let's, you know, when in, when in doubt, go with democracy. We can say, you know, hey, this is what we're thinking of doing. Would you want to do a review of it first, or do you want to just jump right in? And these are some of the friction points to deal with and see if uh, people uh, express a sentiment one way or the other. Yeah. All right. Well, it's just, hey, uh, Ernie, you're the um, founder of the group and the spark plug, so... I think, um, you know, 
people are generally willing to um, go with what you suggest. And so that might be overstating it slightly. They're willing to hear what I suggest. Yeah. I mean, and don't forget the main reason I'm doing this, Eric. I'm sure when you joined in is that every time I've tried to lead a discussion a certain way, it never went the way that I was hoping it would. So I am, um, you know, uh, so I, I have definitely had the, I, I think we're all going to do X and the group ends up doing Y. And so that's why my bias is towards let's get buy in first. Yeah. Uh, Eric, do you have a particular story or passage in mind that you would start with for this group? You've been group part of the group the two times, uh, you know, in this recording and the last time I sat in. Um, I will uh, get back on that. There's, I'm, I'm almost always involved in passages that are good for evangelism and for um, brand new Christians because uh, that's my context over in Thailand. Right. Um, this, uh, I think we want a passage that emphasizes obedience. Um, or uh, my friend uh, David Huffman, when I was discussing this with him or something with him, um, maybe it was with him after the call, he wanted to do the last chapter of Ecclesiastes where it says, uh, fear God, obey his commands. Um, well, that's a single verse. I think um, it's, Wait, but, it's but, but, the, the four or five, the, the last five or six verses of, of Ecclesiastes. Right. But Ecclesiastes is not a story or a uh, narrative of something that happened. Mm. And so I this think is where it intersects that, with the Bible storying thing, right? Is that it, 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 does this method work better with narratives than lectures? Yes, I think it does work better with narratives uh, than lectures or didactic um, truth or didactic teaching because it, um, or better than uh, propositional statements, uh, because it, uh, with stories, people insert themselves into the story somewhere and they experience Yay. it and they start their feelings are engaged and their imagination is engaged. Their prior, uh, you know, uh, biases and everything are engaged in a way that doesn't happen with propositional statements. So I think here's one possibility. Um, Jesus told his disciples, let's um, cross over to the other side of the lake uh, they got into two boats, and while they were crossing over, a tremendous storm arose. The boats were being filled almost to being swamped, but Jesus was asleep um, in one of the boats. And they cried out, Master, Master, do you not care that we're perishing? Jesus uh, got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves, which immediately obeyed and became calm. And then he turned to his disciples and said, where is your faith? Um, that story is short enough that everyone will remember it. And even though it's familiar to everyone, it's completely a story about obedience. Because the um, question at the end, where is your faith, is the, the word pistis um, is faith and is also obedience. 
um, mm. and the um, demonstration of obedience is done is actually performed by the wind and the waves in front of the disciples. Um, I don't know. That might be. What does Harry going to pull that out without having without referring to any Greek? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So that's what the hard part. What does Harry pull that out without that's... referring to any Greek? Our our language translations do us a service, but it's a um, you know, it allows the English speakers yeah. to read this story without having to learn a new language. But in that particular story, some of the nuance is not available when you read an English translation. Yeah, because you and don't sometimes get... you can cheat and find a literal translation. But yeah. Yeah, another passage that I've been thinking about actually since Janet mentioned the Sermon on the Mount a week or two ago uh, was the um, the parable of the the rock. Uh, Moses about you know, the uh, wise man who built his house on the rock, the foolish man built his house on oh. the sand. About uh, obeying, not just hearing the word, but obeying. Yeah, that's I don't know if a, parables that's a... are kind of halfway between true narratives and exposition though but no that's that's a great passage because uh, most people misremember it but if you focus on it long enough for people to see uh it's not that some heard and some didn't it's that some put it into practice and some did it and so there's that obedience um that comes through can come through clearly I, I actually like both uh, what Eric shared and, and, and that as a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say my heart uh, uh, actually sung a little bit at the, the storm one because my friend David Huffman suggested the, the Ecclesiastes passage. He's going through a lot of storms right now. And so uh-huh. he might have some really poignant insights into that. Yeah. So... Okay, I think we have some raw material and a couple of action items. So you'll try and start a chat thread with your friend to see if we can set up a call the next day or two. If that doesn't happen, then I'll start pitching the idea to the group and see what uh, level of uh, how aggressive they want to try adopting this. And from there, we have at least a couple of candidates, which if people are enthusiastic, we can start, you know, Oh, here's an interesting question. I've sometimes found if I tell people a passage too far in advance, they get all theological on me rather than if they just encounter the, the scripture, you know, raw in the moment. Have any, have you, is, is that a concern for this, you think? Yeah, don't tell them ahead of time. It'll spoil it. Yeah. Okay. I can go with that. Um, another thing... Um, in your pitch, Ernie, it's not untrue to mention that uh, there are more than a thousand. I think Justin Long counts 1,700 verified. 1,300. 1,300 yeah, or something. Yeah. With the movement being a def- the definition of a movement is at least out four generations in multiple streams. So groups that are multiplying all around the globe in unreached people groups um, using this method. 
and the Discovery Bible Study method is the core activity. Of but Eric, of you forget the whole reason I'm trying to do this is to get away from credentials. <laughs> so I want to pitch this as this is something I think will really help us with the problems we are facing. And okay. uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, I'll include the link to people who want to dig in the research can do that. But uh, I want to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay in the moment. Okay. So um, I see that there is another friend of mine online who travels around the world and does something very similar. I can see if she's free right now to join sure, us. But if if it's getting too late for Eric, or uh, should I, I go ahead and ask her? Or so. Okay. Why not? Yeah, so uh, she's the first one that I kind of heard about this from in the more oral form of the leader who learns the story mm. and then shares it. Um, so and like Eric just shared the story with us, probably from memory, um, uh, you know, with the, the one in the boat. I was thinking as we yeah. were talking about uh, another story that came to mind actually demonstrates that this is a way Jesus used to teach. That is, when uh, <laughs> the Pharisee invited Jesus to dinner, and so Jesus went. And uh, as he was there reclining at the table, a woman who was known to have a bad reputation in the town came in and began uh, weeping on his feet and then wiped them with her hair. And the Pharisee thought to himself, if this man were of God, he would know what kind of woman this is that is touching him. And then Jesus told a story. And mm. we were talking about the dynamics of the story. He said, uh, Simon, I have uh, something to tell you. And he said, tell me. So there were two yeah. men. One that both owed money to a money lender. One owed, you know, five days wages and the other five months. And, uh, Neither could pay, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them do you think loved the the uh, the, the loan person more? And uh, so um, uh, he said, "Well, I suppose the one who was forgiven the larger debt, you judged correctly, and uh, you didn't, you didn't give me a kiss, and you didn't anoint me with oil." Um, but you see this woman, she's not uh, stopped wiping my feet with her hair since she came in. So her faith, uh, her she she's forgiven much because she loved much. And uh, um, so I, I just got a response back from my friend. She said she couldn't join us tonight. I also checked with Paul Watson and getting the kids in bed for the night. So uh, three strikes and we're out. But uh, okay. anyway, Jesus uses this dynamic, and he asks a question. And so this is this is even an example of the model. But. Mm, yeah, it also reminds me of David and Nathan, the prophet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, we have some links to read, and we have some action items. Maybe we can just take a couple minutes and pray. Yeah. So um, also let me know what kind of windows. I think your time windows are tighter than mine if you're still working a normal schedule. Uh, my schedule is pretty flexible. I, I'm I'm busy around like, you know, between 8 to 10 a.m. Pacific with work and family stuff. And then again uh -huh. around. Wait, I need four, to write It's fairly flexible, especially over the next few days, because Friday is even more. 
flex than most. Okay, so, well, I'll, I'll see we'll, you. We'll I'll, see, first, yeah. I'll, I'll check with uh, the, I'll find somebody and uh, get back to you with some times and then we'll go from there. Yeah, and it could just be a quick 15 minute call. It doesn't have to be the hour long yeah, yeah. podcast like this one is. Right. So we were going to pray? Yeah. Yeah. Father God, I just want to thank you that here we are still talking to each other after it's been about 32 years since we yeah. were together at Caltech, um, <laughs> having a similar feeling of fire in our hearts that you had put there, Lord, and an excitement that you want to do something through us. I just thank you for that, your faithfulness to us and for the prospect of something that you want to release into the world that's a good thing. I thank you for Ernie's um, impetus, his um, proactivity to try to initiate a group like this and to try to do something that will be bigger than the group. Um, And I bless him uh, for building those friendships in the first place, but then trying to move all those friendships Um, out of the status quo and into a a greater fruitfulness. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for the joy of the body of Christ and for the way that you um, fill us with something bigger and greater than we could even imagine. Hmm. Father, I um, it just strikes me as we're praying, so I confess to you that... uh, I have been uh, cynical and pessimistic about uh, getting uh, believers shifted in uh, in this way into something that's obedience-focused instead of intellectual-focused, partly, I guess, because I struggle with it so much myself. But I, I just confess my uh, cynicism to you and, and uh, want to... Uh, look at the the reality. I think that uh, the way you're stirring things, the way that uh, the COVID shutdown has disrupted so much of what we thought was normal church life, and uh, stimulated more and more gatherings like what Ernie has um, that have the potential to uh, really carry us forward in new ways. And how the uh, the global um, groundswell of uh, fruitfulness demonstrated in Discovery Bible Study uh, now has a much greater chance of being appreciated and accepted and embraced and multiplying even here in North America. Thank you for the conversation today with uh, movement leaders and uh, uh, the conference last weekend or weekend before that's focused on seeing this replicate in North America. And we just invite your uh, spirit to move uh, beyond our expectations and hopes that you would take uh, the the vision and the dreams we have and go even beyond those. And that uh, the hearts of the people involved will be receptive and that uh, you give us wisdom and guidance and uh, whatever insight we may gain from others. Um, and that you would show up uh, not because of our wisdom and skill and preparation, but just because uh, we're able to come to you with humility and listen to your word with an obedient heart and uh, that you would demonstrate how, how, how that much that delights you, that uh, you come and dwell with those who obey you. Oh God, you are, you are so cool. Lord, I'm just kind of blown away 
Uh, Firstly, it's just, you know, so nice just to have an excuse to reconnect with old friends. It normally only happens when we're looking for a job. Um, And that we have uh, this common problem. I thank you for Eric and Robbie who, A, have devoted their lives to the gospel and uh, left home and family and wealth and status for the sake of your kingdom, Lord. And you promised that that all those who do this will not fail to receive a reward. But I thank you even more, Lord, that you have been polishing them. You have ground them down on the grinding stone of marriage and family um, in ways that I know bits and pieces of, but even only you know the full depth of it. And that they have persevered uh, under excruciating circumstances in seeking to become more like you and to love their wives as Christ loves the church and to die to themselves. Um, and I thank you, Lord, that you have also poured into them. Lord, it, it happens so up throughout the Great Reset where like, there's this really big problem. I don't even know how to think about it straight. And you say, oh, yeah, I've been studying this problem for 5, 10, 20 years, uh, like Stephen Self, who was such a gift to the Great Reset. And Lord, um, I just thank you for this week uh, as I turn 53, and I just feel like the birthday blessings have been overflowing as I'm just seeing so many things that uh, I knew were problems and that troubled me deeply, but I had no idea how to approach them. And that you have been opening doors in just such extraordinary ways, uh, day after day in so many areas, including with the Great Reset. Lord, I thank you that we're able to have so much deeper and more authentic conversations because of Steve's courage and just sharing his heart and his frustration. And Lord, I just want to thank you that I don't have to figure this all out. You are good. I hope I haven't just killed my hour. Uh, um, That you have, uh, we don't have to feed the 5,000, as someone once said. We just have to bring our loaves and fishes, Lord. And I thank you that we can just bring our loaves and fishes, these little bits and pieces we know, the people we know, the things we've experienced, the problems we face. And if we give them to you, you will do something extraordinary. And mm-hmm. uh, I have no idea what that will be. I have no idea what's going to be easy, what's going to be hard. But I know that if we're faithful, if we turn to you, if we humble ourselves and turn to scripture, that you're going to do something. And as long as you're doing it, I'm in. And I thank you for my brothers who feel the same way. I thank you for the great reset for those who have put up with my meanderings uh, for four seasons and still show up uh, hungry for something, uh, even if they're not sure what. And Lord, I just cry out that you would fill these people. Um, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Didn't lose you. Good. (laughs) All right. God bless you, brother. We will chat more online. All right, I'll text you when I got time. Bless you. All right, get some sleep, Eric. Thank you. Yeah.